Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 312. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter for as long as Twitter is around. Prez, how are you doing? Good. People, don't come look for me on those other fucking social media apps. I'm not there. I'm not going to be there. Magic Johnson be. I won't be there. I need to see these shits survive for more than a year. Uh, otherwise, I guess I'll just be uh, sinking with the ship on nice. a good old Twitter. That's real loyalty right there. Elon. If Twitter sinks, then I'm going back to the posting and toasting comment section. Prize is going to be out there on Facebook. You can find him on there. Um, he's going to go to MySpace, actually. I'm going to go to Zanga. <laughs> James, you're probably too young to remember that. Probably. No, I've never heard of that one. That. It's probably for the best. Uh, but we are joined by, uh, not first time, but first time in a long time. His name is James Boo. That is at owned by Hallie on Twitter. Uh, he was, he is the preeminent voice on all things Malik Monk. Uh, James, how are you doing uh, oh, yeah. all the way from down under? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy, man. Like, what a journey, man. Like, uh, I first went on uh, Pod Strickland in a while ago, 2021 or something, probably. And, you know, then the league was catching DMPs for the Hornets behind, like, five other guys. <laughs> Now, now he's now he's in promos for the Sacramento Kings um, statement jersey. He's like, oh, it's oh, what what a journey, yeah. No, um, so no, it, it does feel weird like that. The Malik Monk stand thing isn't isn't like a diss anymore, okay? But yeah, uh, no, um, thanks for thanks for bringing me on. Uh, you took what nine months? It's been nine months in between podcast appearances, so I guess like me hyping out reddish. The last one was that damaging, so fair enough. You know. <laughs> we'll see what what damage you could cause this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't have a lot to. I don't have a lot of good to say about Demonchenzo. So if we come across that, then maybe that'll be the. We'll talk yeah. about it because uh, I, I have a, I have opinion, a feeling opinions vary among Knicks fans on Demonchenzo, which yeah. is weird because he's just. A fucking bench player. He's not, it's not the type it's not of person weird. where you're supposed it's, to have mad different takes. No. It's it's not weird because there are Knicks fans who think like Willie Hernan Gomez should've... was like the no, second they... coming of fucking Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> they, 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 think, they think we should have signed a fucking superstar for the mid-level exception. Uh, but before we get started with any Oh, of well, that... you could have two years ago with DeMar DeRozan, but no, Shun was like, oh. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy that we didn't sign that loser. He was really good in the plan until the last three minutes when he shit his pants, as he always, always right. does. Uh, but before we get started, the 
few announcements, the first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at thestrick.land on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available on our website. Check that out. We've got sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, you name it. We've got it all available to you on our website again. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday, along with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, a $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And also... None of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, we can just start. Let's we'll start with the Knicks because this is a Knicks podcast, as, as some people may know. Um, the Knicks. I mean, they, they haven't finalized these moves, but the Knicks are whatever. They they signed Dante DiVincenzo. They traded Opie Thompson for two second round picks. You can feel however you feel about those things. Um, they. You can tell me they didn't get enough value for Opie Toppin. You can tell me that. They should have signed X player for the mid-level exception instead of Dante DiVincenzo. I will tell you that I think the things that you're talking about are kind of small potatoes as far as the Knicks are concerned. The Knicks have a good basketball team. They needed to add more shooting. They added Dante DiVincenzo who can shoot. Is Dante DiVincenzo the perfect ideal player they would add if they had the choice of all the talent in the NBA? No, he's not. I know he's not. And they know that he is not the final piece that makes them a contender. They know. They are aware of the things they need. They know they need a big wing. That is why they kicked the tires on Paul George. That is why they kicked the tires on OG Ananobi and will continue to kick the tires on OG Ananobi in all likelihood. It also does not mean that there is some huge fucking conspiracy and... They're setting up to do 16,000 fucking jujitsu moves this offseason and complete the team and turn it into a contender right now. Let me tell you something. It is not fucking happening. It is not going to fucking happen this offseason unless two things happen. One of two things happens, anyway. The ask for players like Paul George and OG Ananobi would need to come down to the level where the Knicks would feel comfortable. Yes acquiring said player. The other thing that would need to happen is that Paul George will need to come back down to fucking reality and take an extension actually commensurate with the amount of fucking games that he plays in nowadays, which is not many more than I do, apparently. Uh, 
And OG Ananobi, I want to tell people, I want to let people in a fucking secret here. Jeremy Grant signed for five years, $160 million. The max extension, this is the max extension you can give OG Ananobi before he hits free agency, is four years, $117 million. I will chug fucking five shots of your liquor of choice on this podcast if he extends for that 4117. I will. Because it's not going to fucking happen. He is going to make more than that next summer. And for that reason, Masai Ujiri can kiss my fucking hairy brown ass if he comes calling and he wants, give me R.J. Barrett and three first-round picks. Give me Emmanuel quickly. Man, man. Fuck you. What I'm going to give you is two fucking fingers, buddy. Get the fuck out. Go back to fucking Canada. Nobody likes you. That's what we're going to do, okay? Here's the other thing. You cannot cry that the Knicks have not... Oh, they, they've got to make a big move. They fucking want to make a big move. You can't just force the big move to happen. What do you want them to do? Go fucking give it all up for Cat? What's that doing for the Knicks? You want them to risk it all for Paul George? For him to extend for fucking three years, $160 million, whatever the fuck it is? And then he plays 40 games a year, and then you're going to cry about that too? Stop fucking crying. Like, I'm I'm not saying they're perfect. They fucked things up. I think the Obi Toppin trade is actually an example of them owning a fuck up. They fucked up. They didn't manage that situation well. They didn't get the maximum value for an eighth overall pick that they could have or should have or what. However the fuck you want to phrase it, I don't know. They're not perfect. But if on aggregate, this is the situation the Knicks are in where they took out probably the... We don't want to get into this. The the least important player of their nine man rotation, at least as the franchise stands right now, and they added Dante DiVincenzo, and and they are now is essentially forcing Tibbs into a situation where he has to do this crazy fucking thing, which is play small for about thirteen minutes a night when Julius Randle's ass is sitting on the fucking bench. Like it's crazy to me that these are the things we're. The same people that will cry about, oh my god, we don't have a fucking backup four. What are we going to do without a backup four? Oh my god, Rui Hachimura is going to destroy us. Like, these are the same people (laughs) that will fucking kill Tibbs for being the most rigid fucking asshole who will never play small and never do that. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot be upset that Tibbs is a rigid motherfucker and then cry that the Knicks didn't replace the ever-important 15 minutes a night that Obi Toppin was getting with another very, very important backup four like Tory fucking Craig. Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. If the Knicks fall off a fucking cliff next year because they signed Dante DiVincenzo instead of using their mid-level exception on, like, Tory Craig or Trey Lyles, that's fine. Then we'll have learned a lot more about this team than just how important apparently Obi Toppin was. But like, you can't actually explain to me what what did they lose? I, I, I this is not. I want to be very clear. This is not shitting on Obi Toppin, who I think is going to be really good in Indiana. That's probably the best situation for him in the league. That or Sacramento would have been the two best situations for him to go to. Look at Obi Toppin as a player. Is Obi Toppin? A good defensive player? No. Is Obi Toppin a good shooter? No. Is Obi Toppin a good rebounder, especially adjusting for his position? Absolutely not. Dante DiVincenzo, whatever your qualms about him are as a player, good shooter, especially on catch and shoot. Good, re- really good rebounder for his position. Really, 
solid defensive player. Like, I'm not telling you Dante DiVincenzo now morphs us into, like, holy shit, this fucking juggernaut of a team. No. But you can't explain to me what are the discrete skills that we've became worse at as a team by subbing out Obi Toppin and bringing in Dante DiVincenzo. And the final thing I'm going to say is stop fucking crying about minutes. Stop fucking crying about minutes. There are nine guys. If one of them gets injured, all of a sudden we're going to be playing eight guys. You're going to be like, oh, my God, everybody's playing too much. Tibbs is a psychotic. What are we going to do? Like, this happened last year. Do you want to know why Emmanuel quickly averaged 28.9 minutes per game last year? It's not because he was playing 29 fucking minutes a night, I'll tell you that. It's because things happen. These things, I know this is crazy. There are these things. They're called injuries. And when players miss games because of injuries, other guys get to play more. That's what's going to happen this year. Jalen Brunson will miss some games. RJ Barrett will probably miss some games. Julius Randle might go fucking crazy and miss like six games this year or something instead of five. Like, guys are going to miss basketball games, and you're going to need his depth. And if you're crying about having nine fucking good, however you want to parse them, NBA players, and that is some fucking crisis for Tibbs to deal with, I don't even know what to tell you, but maybe just give up on the fucking sport of basketball. Give up on the fucking league. Don't fucking watch any of it because it's apparently beyond your understanding how a team can manage a rotation of nine guys. But I promise you this, these will be the same people that are going to fuck. Why didn't we draft somebody? Why didn't we do this? Why? You're mad we have nine guys. You want us to draft another two so that, you, that we can all complain that fucking random podunk motherfucker from fucking South Jesuit State isn't playing 15 minutes a night? Like, no, enough. Like, we don't need to be upset about everything. This is like a very, very normal offseason the Knicks have had. And I'm sorry there's not a lot of big moves for them to make because you know what happens? When you're a good basketball team, getting from good to great is actually hard. And you need to be discerning and you need to be very careful about who you make those big moves for. And the fact of the matter is, this Knicks front office is telling you they're telling you something. The fact that they kicked the tires on Paul George and kicked the tires on OG Ananobi, who we can all disagree on, oh, is Paul George a superstar or a star? Is OG Ananobi just a great role player or a good role player? or over Whatever it is, they think improving this roster requires shopping in a higher bracket than who you're going to get at the end of the first round, than what you're going to get at the mid-level exception at the fourth. They want a big wing. They know they need a really good big wing. That is very fucking apparent. The price has to match up with that. You, you cannot force that move. So that's my fucking rant. I needed to get that off my chest because I can't understand why everybody is so upset right now about the Knicks because all I see is a team that went 47-35 and 35 last year that fucking sent Donovan Mitchell's fucking loser fucking Met fan ass home, okay, after round one, five games, he can go cry the entire summer and post cool fucking videos at whatever the fuck, City Field, whatever he goes to all the time now. All right, he can have fun doing that. I don't care. We've kicked his ass in round one. They have all their future first after this. They have, what? They have, basically everybody in the rotation is 28 or younger. Okay, so I don't know. You're not exactly the fucking oldest team in the league here. Okay, you still got RJ Barrett. You still have Quickly. You still have Grimes. You still have Mitchell Robinson, four guys you drafted. Deuce McBride is still sitting there. Maybe he can make shots this year, and he for makes you to make a difficult decision. You know, may maybe that happens. I don't know. But all I see is a team that's in a good position that isn't willing to throw away a good position for 
superficial upgrades. And if you want an example of what that looks like, take a look at what Atlanta did last year, where they, oh my God, we need another creator. We need another creator. We need another creator. What did they do? They went and gave two first round picks up for DeJounte Murray, and they got fucking, they stayed the same. Nothing changed. Getting better from good is fucking hard. It is hard. It is the hardest part. It's the hardest leap you have to make. So you have to be careful. And I'm sorry, I'm okay with the front office looking at the lay of the land, looking at a market where apparently Dylan Brooks can fucking extort a front office for $80 million after having the most disastrous clusterfuck of a season that's possibly imaginable in a contract year. And being like, you know what? This market, well, let's kick the tires on some stuff. The value's not there. We like Dante DiVincenzo. Him and Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart can all fucking sit around a campfire and tell stories about Villanova to the rest of the team. And we're good with that. And let's go into the season and let's look. They're going to be open to opportunities. Opportunities might arise. But I promise you this. I don't think anything's happening with Paul George or anything's happening with OG Ananobi until the shoe falls around whatever's going on with Damian Lillard and whatever the fuck is going on with James Harden. Because I think all that stuff is linked. You're talking about top-end players in the NBA. The market for those stuff, those things are all linked. So if you want to spend the next... When does the training camp start? Fucking what? September? Some shit? Like, if you want to spend the next four, five, six, seven, eight weeks crying and bitching and moaning that we didn't do this thing and we all fucking... Josh Hart wasn't good in game fucking five and Emmanuel quickly shot poorly from the field in the playoffs and R.J. Barrett had a bad regular season. And if you want to spend all your time crying about this stuff, be my guest. I'm going to be happy that the Knicks seem like they have a good team. They at least maintained being a good team. And they are still poised to pounce whenever a player who actually elevates them into being a contender and that price matches up with what the Knicks are willing to give up, a line. I'm willing to wait for that. If you're not, I'm sorry. Have fun being miserable this summer. Uh, because I cashed in all my being miserable over the summer chips last year. I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing fucking... <laughs> Fuck Julius for six months. I'm not going to do, you know, crying over figuring out the 17 billion different machinations of a trade that could happen. Nope. I am going to be checked the fuck out on all that stupid shit. But I will be here talking about the actual players in this roster that matter and what I hope for them to do and why I think this team can be good. That's it. That's all I got. That's a, that might be a new PR for uh, length of rant. We'll have to. Well, I was gonna say, man, it's been fifteen minutes. Like that's 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 surely not enough. You're like the fucking Kenyan marathoner of fucking hoops rants right now, bro. Like my guy from Nike, I forget his name, the goat of marathoning. Um, but anyway, I sorry, that was long. That was yo. You gotta you gotta get you gotta say what you gotta say. It's all right. The thing that is weird to me is like I don't know. And the king, you know, we were planning on talking about the Knicks and the Kings um, on this pod because which we, we will be talk- doing all summer. Yeah, because that's what we do in the off season. Is this morphs into a Knicks slash Kings podcast, which is wonderful. I love the Kings. Go Kings! They're my Western Conference team. But um, I think it's weird and interesting, like how, like the perception of where the Knicks are is just. They're just such a weird team, right? Like, good teams are supposed to be more, quote-unquote, top-heavy. I mean, like, really good teams. Like, teams that can wipe the floor with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, teams like that are supposed to have blue chipper stars, right? And, like, Brunson and Randall kind of are, but 
Brunson didn't make the All-Star team. Randall's two-time All-NBA, but he hasn't had a good playoff yet, right? So, like, Brunson, they all... Brunson might have made the All-Star team if an Indianapolis we'll get there, we'll get there. announcer we'll... cried and, uh, and, and got shit fought shit on for it but unfortunately brunson is not a fucking loser we'll like circle back other individuals <laughs> we'll circle back to this unnamed indiana taser who's not obi topping in a, in a couple minutes no like, obi is he's always good in our hood he's good in our book um i'm drafting the fuck out of him in fantasy by the way he's about to yes. cook um he's gonna be one of those like 15th round snipes uh but no so like the the perception of the knicks it's just so all over the place because they rely on quality depth and they have top end talent that isn't like the name brand. They're like, if you go to like a three star restaurant on Google, but it's actually really popping. And the only people who have given it bad ratings are like bougie losers who expect like luxury food and like the perfect attitude when serving. And you're like, you go there and you're like, oh shit, like this is actually incredible food. Like, I, despite despite the rating and the perception it's people don't, I I made a thread about this, about Jalen Brunson, but it applies to more than just Jalen Brunson. It's kind of crazy to me that people don't realize how much this Knicks team is driven by analytics. Every facet of the team from like how they play to individual player decisions to how the front office operates to them being super patient and like never pulling, you know, they pass on Donovan Mitchell. They pass on OG on Anobi during the regular season. They pass on OG on Anobi again. They pass on Zach Levine right now as well. Like they've passed on all types of really talented players who in theory would give them another big name. And, you know, they, they have, and, and the reason is because they have guys who they're high on who contribute to winning, who don't have that brand name. And they're confident that, like you said, Schwen, the to make that next leap from good, from very good to great, like you can't, it, it, you have to be really judicious. And they can take the small leaps. They can do that with the players they have because guys like Quickly and Grimes and DDV and Randall and Brunson are are not that old. None of these guys are like 30 years old or whatever. Like they're you know, most of them are still getting better for the most part. And then between seasons, they always take steps to optimize like their shot chart and their play style. And we know next year, they're probably going to run more, for example, right? Like they started running a lot more, not all the time, like Memphis, but like they had selective bouts of transition feistiness with Josh Hart. And what did they do? They got DDV, who's also a guy who creates deflections and steals and transition threes and can run off movement and you know things like that so this team is a is run by a bunch of fucking nerds like the i think people are still think this is like the isaiah thomas Knicks, where it's like driven by you know 2k on easy difficulty where it's just real hoopers going by like oh whose game is tough like prez after like eight drinks or whatever. Just who has the best YouTube mixtape with the most ankle breakers. Let's get those fucking guys or whatever. And that's not how it is. Like I, like the Knicks have the biggest analytics staff in the league, probably by more than a little bit. They they have the biggest analytics staff in the league. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's been confirmed by a lot of different people. (laughs) And, um, you know, James Dolan pockets. So it's not surprising, but you know, you think of the, the, 
the quote unquote like analytics teams of the past, right? You think of Daryl Morey in Houston. You think of I don't know who else comes to mind. Like the process Sixers right after they exited the tank stage of 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 their life cycle. Um, Golden State a little bit with them just doing all the crazy stuff to capitalize on Steph, but nobody nobody talks about how the like outside of Knicks land talks about how the Knicks are driven by analytics and even inside Knicks land like the Obi Toppin DDV stuff is a perfect example of like the first anytime the Knicks make a move or don't make a move the first thing people should ask is like what do all the numbers say about this like let's check all the advanced metrics and nerd the fuck out even if we hate numbers and you know real hoopers don't use graphs or whatever the fuck Kevin Durant tweeted like three years ago or some shit. Like, if you want to understand the Knicks, you got to be a nerd. You got to be a nerd or else it's not going to fucking make sense to you. And if, you, if you're not a nerd, that's cool. Go fucking talk to a nerd. Go talk to me. I'm a huge fucking nerd. There's a lot of us out here on the internet. We can help you out, bro. So it's just like Obi is a lot of talent, but analytically in the role he was in, it wasn't going to work with what the Knicks are trying to do as a team analytically, which is get guys who can dribble pass shoot. They're trying to increase, increase not only their three point rate, but their three point accuracy because they need spacing. They're trying to increase their depth because like Schwinn said last year, there was a point where despite having the zillion players, we had fucking seven healthy ones and Jericho Sims was getting major power forward minutes. And it was a really weird time because we weren't Tibbs was not bringing Fournier and Rose off that bench. It was just, IQ, Deuce, Sims, and Prayer, and 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 that got it done for a little bit. Weirdly, because sometimes if you uh, throw a knuckleball, that shit works. But like, I don't know. The the Knicks, DDV is a good player by a lot of analytics, and he's super limited. Like, I don't want to hear anything about his upside or whatever. If I ever see him try to like take a pull up three, he should probably be benched immediately. It's not his jam. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy I disagree guy a little bit on the upside, but I don't disagree on, like, the discrete he, skill stuff. Yeah, yeah. He has, he has upside, but it's not what people think. When I say upside, I mean, like, you know, like what we think of with, like, Jalen Brunson or Emmanuel Quickly or R.J. Barrett, where it's like, oh, they become, like, a more efficient volume scorer. DDV's upside is because you get him on the court in the right positions with the right teams – where he's coming off screens and he's spacing and he's causing steals and he has guys like Mitch to clean up on both ends of the floor. Like he's the kind of bench player who can turn a five point game into a 10 point game. And if you get a couple of those, that's how you end up with, you know, second quarters where you fucking go into halftime with like a 20 point lead. Right. And that's what the Knicks do. And the Kings as well. They have, they have really good bench players who could start on other teams and, Especially, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm go gonna ahead. Speak of Dante quickly. Just like, well, like, he, uh, like, when he came to the dubs, like, one of the first things that stood out was, like, he actually, he can run a bit of pick and roll and stuff. Like, I don't know how effective he was at it. Because um, <clears throat> I think, I feel like he's been a role player with actually kind of, like, not super restricted role for most of his career. Like, on the Bucks, like, they 
the Bucks, I think, generally empower their guys. Yeah. Um, that's well, and and also, I always think of also on that note, shooting like he's J.R. Smith, just like oh, always yeah. pulling. That well, guy is well, so confident. Yeah. The, the <laughs> other thing too with uh, Divincenzo specifically, which is worth noting because you just mentioned it, Budenholzer pushed for that pick. Like he wanted Divincenzo, so it's very possible that he was given a leash because, like. Budenholzer uh-huh. really, really wanted him to, and I, I don't know, yeah. like I, I don't know where you're going with that, but from what I saw in the Warriors last year, like he did run some pick and rolls and stuff, but he was like, it was definitely more of like, a, hey, you just focus on like spacing the floor, pack some closeouts when you get the ball in transition, go for it. Like, is the Golden State version of floor spacer is different from the Knicks version of floor spacer. The Knicks cool. version of floor spacer <laughs> is like stay in the corner and occasionally every couple of plays lift up to like the 45 degree angle kind of mark it's, and that's it you don't get no it, fucking pick and roll it's well it's very specifically like the, the warriors have and james is annoyed by this at times but like <laughs> the warriors have like endless motion in their offense so like they're always going to be it's not really like yes it's spacing the floor but they're not um like it's not just oh steph standing on one side of the floor with the ball we all have to space out and like find ways to to make ourselves available if he kicks kicks the kicks the ball out to us. It's obviously very different from like the Knicks with Brunson, where it's like, okay, dude, so this is what we're gonna do. Four guys are gonna stand around and watch you, and you just got to make it happen. And it's like that's the offense. So I mean, it's not the same, obviously, but like I don't know if this is where you were going with it, but I do feel like Divincenzo played like more there was not as much latitude at least from what i saw of like go run five six seven pick and rolls this game uh, or whatever You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.